You're listening to the podcast When Life Gives You Lemons, presented by me, Emma Levy. Having worked with elite athletes for most of my career, it's always intrigued me that a significant number of high-performing individuals have encountered some form of adversity earlier in their lifetime. My fascination into this grew when I had my own brush with adversity, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in May 2020, in the midst of the global pandemic, at the age of 36. During this period, I questioned whether it was my positive mindset or something deeper, which enabled me to bounce back and to train and compete for a triathlon just one month following completion of all active cancer treatment. The goal of this podcast is to explore this concept further by meeting a variety of high-performing individuals who have experienced adversity, but who have come back stronger. Today, I'm welcoming Claire Danson to the podcast. In June 2019, Claire was a successful triathlete, winning first place in her, ha- in her age group at the European Triathlon Championships. Two months later, her life changed forever, when whilst out on a training bike ride, she was involved in a horrific collision with a tractor. She was left with multiple significant injuries, but most notably of her spinal cord, which left her paralysed with no movement or sensation below her belly button. Unable to speak from her hospital bed, but as soon as she was able to communicate via touchpad, Claire spelt out the word para-athlete. I personally came across Claire on Instagram, where two months following her injury, she started to share her story through honest and inspiring posts. Her first post included the words, The incident that changed my life forever, a story of going from triathlon champion to life in a wheelchair. In the three years since the accident, Claire's been working hard on her rehab and training, including achieving accomplishments such as cycling from London to Paris for charity, learning to sit ski in Colorado, and just last last month she took part in an Ironman in Turkey. Amazingly, she has now been selected to represent Great Britain on the British cycling team as a hand cyclist, and I'm so thrilled that she is here to share her story with us today. Hello, Claire. <laughs> hi, hi. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. I mean, what an unbelievable comeback. And there's so much I want to ask you today. But I firstly want to know, how did it feel when you crossed that line in Turkey at the Ironman last month? I think that there were not enough words to do it justice. Um, it was just incredible. On the, the lap, the run course was... Uh, three and a bit laps. And as I got onto the last section and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm actually going to have done this. And I came around the corner and they'd let all my friends stand at the finish line and they were all jumping up and down as I went down and to cross the line. And I had kind of unfinished business with the race because it was, I was supposed to do it a few months after my accident. Um, So it was from back then, I'd kind of been in the back of my head that I needed to go back and and do this race. Um, So crossing over the finish line was just, I was so happy and just amazing. Unbelievable. I mean, is anything going to beat that again? (laughs) It's going to be hard to beat that, I imagine. You know, it really is. Um, But what what I've learned is every time I've done something since my accident that is has been a challenge or something that I feel like I've accomplished, it's just the feeling is like nothing else. I used to be excited when I did things before, and and but now there's just it's just like another level of got, proving to myself I can still do things. Yeah, oh, I'm, I mean, amazing. I mean, I have a kind of similar-ish story when I did my triathlon. 
you know yeah yeah it, it when i crossed the line it was it was a fairly emotional experience yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and you know all that training as well and finally you get there and you're like wow yeah, yeah exactly. it's so like that yeah. and then you go home and you're like oh it's done now <laughs> okay what's next <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly 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 that i'm still in that what next phase <laughs> um taking a little bit back um the story that i read out in your intro about how you you typed that word para well not typed but you communicated the word para athlete on a touchpad when you couldn't speak from your hospital bed i mean i came across that on the internet is that is that true <laughs> and do you remember it uh yeah it is and and i do um so because I was on a ventilator, you, you can't talk. And, and as you quite rightly said, you have to kind of point to letters on a, on a, like a board that they had. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually couldn't point to letters cause I couldn't use my hands either at that point. So what we did was my family would point at each letter individually. And when they got to the right one, I would squeeze their finger. Um, and the, the, so the very first word that I spelled out was sorry. And then the second word was para athlete. And I remember exactly from the moment I woke up, I felt this incredible sense of guilt because I was so aware of how awful this would be for my family. Um, I, I think when it's happening to you, you don't necessarily think about yourself so much because you're being looked after. Um, and in that kind of feeling awful to my family, I also then I wanted to make sure that they knew that it didn't change anything and that actually I was still going to carry on. And I was still going to exercise. I was still going to do sport. And basically it was like, it will be okay. Yeah. Um, and so that's where para athlete came from. I just wanted them to know that actually I was going to, you know, I was going to be all right. Yeah. Um, so right from the very beginning, you, you know, I could imagine under these like life changing circumstances, a lot of people would just kind of curl up in a ball, withdraw. I mean, obviously not you. And at the beginning of your journey so right at the start how, how do you think you found the strength to be so positive um i think it's a hard one to answer because i think i'm quite lucky that i'm just somebody that thinks well if it's not how you want it now or if something's bad right now you just keep going and it'll get better like there's only one way and that's better um but uh, I think I think also it's important to, you know, just mention that although I had in the back of my head, this is what I'm going to do and it's going to be okay. There's obviously also moments where that you go through that are impossibly hard and, and you do still question, am I being, am I being really unrealistic? Is this, is this possible? Um, am I saying I want to do this, but at the moment I'm in this position and where I want to get to is just so far away from that. How does that happen? Yeah. Um, and I think for me, the important thing was I had the right people around me when I was doubting, I could say to them, Oh, I don't know if, what, what if I can't do this or what if that, and they would then take the role of the positivity on for me mm. to remind me that, no, you can do this. Yeah. Um, so were so you think, quite open and communicative with your social support system the whole way through like with your family and your friends? Yeah, I think so. Um, yes. Um, and actually also people that i met since my accident so i when i was in hospital i was very lucky very fortunate that i had um most days of the week i had extra therapy on my on my right arm that was really really damaged as well mm -hmm. um so at, at salisbury which was the rehab place that i was in they 
also had in the hospital an upper limb unit yeah. um, that was like a rehab unit. And so I went across there most days and there was la- the lady there who I worked with was amazing. It was almost like a therapy, like a psychological therapy session as well as a yeah. arm therapy session. Um, and so, yeah, I was so extra people that I met were brilliant as well, but I'm, I am quite an honest person. I mm-hmm. just say it how it is. Yeah. Um, so I was able to be honest with people and I think that really helped me. Yeah. Have you always been an honest person and like an honest and open person? Yes. And I blame my mother because I just can't tell a lie. I just like, I just don't know how to. And if I've ever like, you know, if I said to you, oh, the grass is pink, I'd be like, oh no, sorry, it's not as green. Straight away. <laughs> oh no, that wasn't true. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I think if you're truthful, like what you're saying can't be wrong. If you're just being honest about how you feel about how something is for you, mm. there's no way that that can be wrong. And I think we worry that if we, are open to people what might they think what they might think i'm strange they might think i'm weird well if they think that for how you're feeling you probably want to talk to someone different anyway Mm. um because actually how you feel is is totally okay it doesn't matter if that's sad or happy or worried that's okay yeah um Uh, i mean that's so good and it's so important to communicate how we feel but i think we're often scared aren't we because we don't want to put ourselves out in that vulnerable position yeah Um, so and actually that's that's a really good point and then a lot of people when they go through something are scared to tell people or scared to ask for help and that's one thing that i've really learned and one thing that particularly my sister always said to me people like to help mm. and we're so we're so in the mindset of well, we don't want to bother people but actually we forget that people like helping like fundamentally yeah. someone asked me for help i feel really like great that they've yeah. come and asked me Oh, yeah. you think I can help? That's amazing. I'd love to help you. Yeah. Um, but when it's on the other foot and we're asking for the help, that's when we don't like it. Oh, yeah. It's very, very uncomfortable asking. But you're right. If someone comes to you and they say, you know, can, can I help you? Oh, yeah, it's it's very warming. Have you got better at asking for help? I have got better, yeah. Um, and particularly if it's something that I know would take me like half an hour but it'd take someone else two seconds yeah um then and i it, but if it, but if it's something that i feel will put them out i still find that quite difficult yeah. but i think that's the human nature in us isn't it of course i mean i remember seeing on your instagram um because you write these really honest accounts on your on your grid and i think it was about um it was just before you went to the iron man and it was about how you're going to struggle to ask for help but mm. you know all of your teammates responded what, you know like of course that's why we're here please do ask for help and it, yeah, I, I just think amazing. it was yeah quite an inspiring post actually to see that you were scared to ask for help and then the support of your teammates saying that you know that's why yeah. we're here <laughs> um you mentioned your sister um i mean the listeners might not know that your sister is alex danson who was a pivotal team member of the great britain hockey team who won gold at the rio olympics i'm interested um, do you think there was something in your upbringing which drove you both to to be able to succeed in sport? That's a really good question as well. Um, I suppose Alex has always been somebody who's just super determined, like, you know, very driven, has an amazing capacity to know what she wants and work out how to get there. 
um and hockey has always been her absolute love so it was kind of and, and we we watched her just excel at that the whole way through her life and um, i then suppose for me i was lucky enough to have to watch alex do that mm-hmm. um and have somebody to look up to and think oh wow that's you know i want i want some of that i'd like i'd like to try that mm-hmm. so i suppose where alex is drive and determination comes from i don't know um she's just amazing um but I, 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 mean, I suppose there's probably that drive probably comes from our parents. It's probably something that's inbuilt in us. Yeah. Um, but as I say, yeah, for me, I, I guess I've always had somebody to watch and see what she's done and, you know, have, have a role model, I guess, yeah. in my own home. Yeah, that's, um, it's interesting because there's a debate about, you know, a grit and resilience and nature versus nurture. So, mm. you know, you're kind of saying that probably your genetics gave you both this this resilience. Um, yeah. And obviously, looking up to your sister as well as as a role model, um, there's yeah. probably a bit of nurture there as well. Yeah, I probably got both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I I wonder as well if your accident and having to deal with the consequences has given you even more grit and resilience. Yes, I think so. Uh, I don't think you can go through something like that without building building resilience, building grit. Um, I think it also teaches you so much. That again helps with resilience and it helps you to kind of carry on um y- you just you just learn so much about yourself and what you can deal with um and it it when something else comes up that feels hard you just know that it's not hard forever mm. um and you know that actually as long as you don't give up it will get better um and and you know forgetting my accident normal life stuff still happens that is still yeah. difficult yeah um but i know now that yeah okay it is difficult for a time mm-hmm. how am i going to make make it feel better what do i need to do so that it doesn't feel horrible it doesn't feel uncomfortable mm. and i can trust in that process that actually it feels awful today tomorrow it'll feel a bit better the next day it'll feel even better again and time sounds really cheesy but time actually really helps things mm. um even though when it's happening we don't think it will it does so it's really like quite a positive outlook because you're saying yeah, you kind yeah. of know you feel like innately you you know it's going to get better over time yeah i yeah and i always say to people if it's not i i do believe that if it's not okay now it will be eventually finally at some point things get better they can't just be bad forever because it's just it's just not going to happen and i don't know where that belief comes from but <laughs> It's something that I just believe. You just keep going and gradually things improve. And I think that's exactly what happened with my accident. It was awful and it was so hard and it was so difficult. But slowly over time, it got it got okay again. And then I would argue that now my life in a lot of respects is better and more enhanced than it was before my accident. Um, you know, wow. not being able to walk is a bit of a pain, but <laughs> a lot of the other stuff yeah. is... Like I have a, an amazing life um, that is so full mm-hmm. and I have the important things, my family and my friends that I value so much and that I do so many great things with. Mm. And in a way, my sense brought me closer to that. Um, yeah. So better and more enhanced now than before your accident because of the relationships you've formed with the people around you, because of what you're able to do now. 
what, what's I think a mix, I think a mixture of both. I think you're. I think it absolutely has enhanced my relationships with people. They were good before. Um, don't get me wrong. At, uh, um, they were great before, but I just have a bigger, even closer network. Um, and I'm probably more balanced as a person. I was so focused on triathlon was what I wanted. I wanted to go professional that that was all that mattered. Whereas now my sport is really, really important. My cycling is, you know, super important, but I can work that around making sure I go and visit my nieces and nephews and go out with my friends. And it's just that balance is better. Um, And my, I would say my outlook and my ability to say yes to things is better. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd never been skiing before. Yeah. Uh, I went in, and I went in February and that was massive because I'd never skied before because I've been too scared of hurting myself. Mm. I'm probably going to go back to that now, now that I'm doing the cycling, but <laughs> I took that opportunity and did it. Um, yeah. It was incredible. Was it? Yeah. And so you, it was you, so you'd never skied as an able person, as an able body no. person? No. Wow. So probably even more scary actually, because if you'd not been on the mountain before and known that sense of balance yeah yeah and and falling is like you fall quite hard i really don't want to hurt your shoulders because your shoulders is all you you have yeah Uh, you if i came off with a broken arm suddenly i only have one arm you suddenly can't do anything um but luckily it was all fine and i I can imagine that sense of freedom as well when you're skiing must be amazing you know it was just so incredible and actually being in the mountains i've been in mountains before in like the summer but in the mountains, in the snow, mm. it's just beautiful. And again, the people I met when I was there, yeah. um, we actually had a bit of a reunion reunion last weekend. But friends for life, because, nice. well, you spend 10 days with people, you get to know them so well. Um, sure. and, and you did yeah. that through a charity, is that right? The the Backup Trust? That's it, yeah, the Backup Trust. Um, they're incredible, actually. I met them for the first time when I was in hospital. And they one of the things they do is they come into, into the spinal units and help with wheelchair skills, which sounds like a strange thing to say. But in hospital, you are in these big bus-like chairs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you think, oh, I'm never really, you can't, they're not very maneuverable and you can't really do much in them. And then you get the people in who've all got their own custom-made active chairs doing wheelies and bumping up and down curbs and things. And they're, you know, in more normal clothes than whatever rubbish you're wearing in hospital. Mm. And you think, okay, there is a life. Um, and it just gives you that, God, these people are really cool and really normal and I'll be able to be like that. Yeah. And um, they produce, they provide like a mentoring service and then they do all these different um, like activity weeks and things, which again, just is like, look what you can do. Mm. Uh, and, and gives you that independence that you really crave after an accident like that. Amazing. And is that the charity you um, fundraised for when you did the cycle London to Paris? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, they gave me that amazing op- like opportunity to do that wow. um, also. Um, yeah. But you're, and- you're giving back to them as well because, you know, I'm sure you raised a phenomenal amount of money for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we did, which is amazing. And that will fund other people to go and do this kind of trips that we did. It will fund them to go into spinal units. Obviously, the raising. We, Our team, the team that went, raised, I think, the most that they've ever done before. It was, I think we raised £158,000. Oh, my goodness. That's which amazing. It was just an incredible effort. Yeah, yeah, everyone did so well. Oh, that's unbelievable. Um, I mean, and that's no mean feat, that London to Paris cycle, is it? Because that's, no, what is it, 500, no. 500 miles? 
about 500k about 500. 300 just over 300 miles it was just over 100 miles a day um wow. 5,000 meters of climbing um and lots of food <laughs> i just i didn't want to like bonk at any time so anytime there was food it was like yes all the food oh eat all the food God. and it's I a lot of climbing all... isn't it it's yeah wow. yeah a surprising amount of climbing i thought it feels like england is above france so i got <laughs> downhill the whole way right no it's really not <laughs> oh, man and you're doing that all with your arms uh, yeah 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 and I, as a physio, I find it amazing because I know you had significant shoulder injuries. Well, you kind of mentioned that before, didn't you? Um, yeah. So you must have worked really hard on getting your arm strength to where it is today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my right arm, the tractor actually drove over my right arm. Um, so it was really damaged. And actually, so initially in hospital, I couldn't move either of either of my arms. My left one came back quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the right one took an awful lot of work. And to get kind of full range of movement took a long time mm-hmm. um i couldn't you know my first exercises were just trying to touch each of my fingers with my thumb yeah and i couldn't start moving the arm yeah um uh, but as i say i was really lucky that i had extra rehab on it when i was in hospital um and it's a continual process with this arm i think it'll probably always have some pain in it oh, really but, mm. but, but compared to where it was it's mm. It's done so well. And actually, yeah. when I tell people what happened to it and then I move my arm through full range, they're like, oh, yeah. OK. And, um, and and you hand cycle like 500K from London to Paris with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's, done, it's done all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fairly impressive. And I suppose, you know, you need to use your arms to push yourself and transfer. So you, your arms yeah. got to be super, super strong. So uh, yeah, 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 important. I mean, that just shows for me amazing resilience because <laughs> i understand you know what, what what it needs to make your arms strong enough to, yeah, to enable yeah. you to do that unbelievable um <laughs> do you have any other challenges coming up um nothing planned in so uh next season will be uh focused all on racing with the gb team mm-hmm. uh, so there are some world cup races um, which I mean, will is obviously a challenge, and will be a huge experience for me to race in that environment because yeah. I haven't had that opportunity yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll be the first things, and then hope, and then there's potential for possibly going to a World Championships at the end of the season. Um, so they will be that will be next year's big kind of focus, as it's not well, it is a challenge, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's more performance based now, um, yeah. and then. Wow. Possibly at the end of the season, another Ironman event. Oh, really? Um, well, see what happens when we get to that. Um, but that would be- <laughs> so you've got to keep up the swimming and the cycle training as well. Sorry, swimming and the run training. Yeah, um, to, to an extent. They'll, they will be, when cycling is in full flow, they will be dropped down quite a bit, um, but they should be okay to pick, pick them back up again. Okay, and, and how come you went down the, the cycling route, not the paratriathlon route? Um, cycling is by far my favorite discipline of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, also happens to be the thing I'm best at. Mm-hmm. Um, my swim is never going to be very good. Oh, really? um, and so I think in terms of being competitive at something, mm-hmm. um, triathlon really isn't an option for me. Yeah. Um, um, so I think cycling gives me the, the opportunity to, to be really competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really British cycling, 
are just such a fantastic organization the support that they give and actually they've given me from the start um has been like second to none they're, they're really really good um so it's really exciting to be yeah. involved with them as well any um trajectory towards paris olympics paralympics 2024 <laughs> <laughs> um i would love to go mm-hmm. um but it's really at the moment um it's just one thing at a time yeah. uh in terms of i don't know because i've not competed internationally yet i don't know where i would be amongst other people mm. um of course i will give everything i have to all the training between now and then yeah. um and if i'm good enough when it comes to it that would be amazing um that would be like the ultimate dream um but i guess it's just put the hard work in now um and then see see where we are in in nearly just under two years time yeah and in terms of, you know, everything you do seems quite goal driven. Do you take time to enjoy the process of it all as well? Um, yes, I, I, I really, I was talking to someone earlier, earlier actually, and they were saying, oh, how are you finding doing the more cycling? And I was saying, do you know, I absolutely love it. Um, I love the process of training. I love, um, I try to where I can look for sessions where I can tie them in with friends and things as well, which again, just brings that extra enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then each time I get kind of some new experience, like doing the Ironman, like doing London to Paris, mm-hmm. really trying to take those events in. Um, Cause they're so special yeah. uh, and they won't, even if I did, particularly the first time you do something, because even if you do them again, it'll be special. It won't mm-hmm. quite be the same because you've done it before. And I've been incredibly lucky to have so many first times of things mm-hmm. that I have, that I do. Yeah, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Yeah. I mean, how many hours a day are you training at the moment? Um, Anything between two and four, depending on the day. Yeah. Um, it's relatively, we're kind of, we're in a build phase. So it's actually, we're relatively low on training at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of hours a week, it's about, cycling is about 12. All in all, it's about 15, 16, but it'll go up to 20 hours of cycling. So probably about 25, 26 hours, yeah. but um, kind of on a build phase. Which is a lot. And, you know, you've said that things aren't always easy and sometimes it takes you like, you know, an hour to do a simple maybe task, whereas it would take someone a couple of minutes. So where do you or how do you kind of stay motivated when it sometimes can be a bit harder? And where do, where do you get the drive from? I always find that a really hard question. <laughs> I just love it. It just comes from genuine love of doing what I do and knowing that on sometimes sometimes obviously you don't really want to do a session but i know that if i don't do it i'd feel much worse Mm. than doing it um so it's better to do it and so yesterday zwift wasn't working it was really annoying (laughs) took and i went on and i did like the first 20 minutes and the power cut out and i was like oh it's really annoying so i tried to reboot it still wouldn't work and i tried redoing everything like five times Mm. in the end i was like okay switch everything off on the wall leave it for 10 minutes and come back and that worked. Oh, but it, the age old trick, turn it off and on. <laughs> exactly. But it's probably an hour after I tried to start this session and the session was then another two and a half hours. Um, I texted my coach afterwards and told him, and he was like, oh, well done for persevering and getting it done. Mm-hmm. And my response was, I'd have been way more annoyed if I hadn't. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think there's that, just that element of knowing I'd rather do it than not do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, 
probably is also in the back of my head. Yeah. So so you enjoy it and it makes it makes you feel good. It's feel great. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely love it. Um I would highly recommend exercise of any form to somebody if if they want to cheer themselves up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I'm a massive advocate for that. You know, as a physio, I've always always promoted movement and exercise. And then when I became the patient, um, you know, it meant even even more to me. And it was, you know, I, I trained throughout all my treatment and everything. And for me, it, it was my form of therapy. It used to yeah. make me feel so much better. So, yeah, cool. yeah I just wish everyone would just move <laughs> and yeah. and do exercise. So, yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, yeah. I, I've got quite a, a deep, maybe difficult question that I've been thinking about. Um, you, you said how you feel your life is enhanced following your your accident has anyone ever asked you if you had the choice of the accident happening or not would you choose that you had the accident or not i've thought about it um and if not having the accident meant that i wouldn't have had the experiences that i've had and i wouldn't have learned everything that i had and I wouldn't have met all the people that I've met, then it would be a really difficult choice because actually I absolutely love my life. Mm -hmm. I love it how it is now. There are difficult things, don't get me wrong, but there are difficult things, there would be difficult things without my accident. Yeah. So if you were gonna take everything away that came with the accident, I think I would say, no, I'll have the accident. Wow. If you said to me, you can walk tomorrow, uh, you can have bladder and bowel function back, everything will be normal and you can have had all the experiences you've had. Mm. I'd probably say, yeah, okay, <laughs> walking would be handy. Um, those things would be handy. Yeah. Um, but I think take away everything that I've learned, everything that I've had, that I've got from my accident, I'd probably say, no, I'm all right. We'll, we'll stay how we are. Amazing. It's, it's so positive, so like lovely to hear you say that. Um, and I'm going to finish by asking you one final question. <laughs> if you could go back in time to when things were, you know, at their worst and really, really tricky, and what would you, what do you wish you could have told yourself? I think I would tell myself that I was going to be okay, but I'd also tell myself that I'd say you are okay. You are still, and you actually, you always have been, whether you've believed it or not, but you're an okay person and you don't need sport or you don't need you know the ability to walk to make you a better person you are going to be okay you are going to still be able to help people and um this is actually going to give you a better platform to do that from mm. so you don't need to worry just keep doing what you're doing and you will go through life and you will help people and you will you will bring joy to people yeah. whether you believe it or not um <laughs> and i think that's probably something that i should tell myself more often now anyway i think i think we all can suffer sometimes with that imposter syndrome actually do people really like you are you really any good and i think that's something that probably we could all tell ourselves sometimes actually you're a really good person. You really help people. People like you as you are. Yeah. You don't need to try and be anything different because actually you're you and that's why people are around you. That's why they like being with you. It's not anything that you give them or anything physical. It's because it's you. Yeah. Please, Claire, keep telling yourself that because I think it's true. 
Um, thank you so much for coming on our on our podcast today. Um, I really hope people listen to this. Please keep using your platform to share your story because I think that you have true resilience and I can't wait to keep watching your journey onto Paris and beyond. <laughs> Thank you so much, Claire. Bye-bye. We're so excited that the first series of When Life Gives You Lemons is sponsored by Coe's Linen. Coe's supply some of the UK's finest hotels with luxury linens, including bedding, towels and bathrobes. So if you want to feel like you're on holiday or a spa break every day, then I can highly recommend their products. I really love my personalised bathrobe. You know that feeling when you've had a long day at work or a really hard workout. That's when all I want is to have a hot bath, dry myself in my fluffy Coe's towel and then relax on the sofa. And that is when you'll find me in my Coe's bathrobe. Honestly, the most cosy item I've ever owned. All products can be personalised with custom monograms designed by leading interior designer Sophie Patterson. You can find them exclusively online at www.coeslinen.com. Listeners to When Life Gives You Lemons can save 10% with the discount code POD10. You can find a link in the show notes. Do, 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 do.